welcome to Everyday Spirit. I'm your host, and we'll start the show right after this message. If you're new to this broadcast, I just want to tell you a little bit about it. Um, we will uh, typically read a segment from one of the social media websites, uh, you know, either Reddit or Facebook. Uh, we'll go into a group uh, associated to Christians or Christianity or religion or biblical topics. We'll choose a question that's there, and then we'll do an analysis of the question, uh, have a little bit of a conversation about it, and then um, share uh, share a biblical response to it. And so... Um, uh, that's essentially the format for the show. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and we'll get back to the show. Welcome back. So today's segment is uh, regarding a question that was uh, found on the True Christian uh, in the True Christian group on Reddit. Uh, the name of the question is titled "Am I Truly Saved?" Um, this is a fairly common question that comes up, and so this is uh, just one person's uh, question. And so I want to read a little bit of what this person is asking and tell you a little bit about it, and then we'll um, we'll go into the next uh, part of the part of the segment. So he's uh, essentially he says that he's been having a bit of a crisis of faith lately, but not in the way that uh, we might expect. He is a new convert, uh, only coming to Christ in February, and he's wondering if he is truly saved. By that he means he he's not talking about uh, praying a prayer and boom, he's saved, but real, genuine faith. Um, and he says that he's been listening to quite a bit to uh, Paul Washer, who is a evangelical uh, who has uh, videos on YouTube. Um, I am aware of him, but I don't know much about his uh, theology or his teaching. I do know, uh, however, that it can be fairly controversial. Anyway, so he's been listening to Paul Washer, and Paul has opened his eyes to the idea that he is not actually saved, and that terrifies this, this person um, because he doesn't know if he is saved or not. And he goes on to describe some of his behaviors. He says uh, he is very self-centered in his thinking, and he's still quite rude. He's lustful and hateful. Uh, he tries his best, and he knows he'll never be perfect. However, he doesn't know if he's bearing fruit of being genuinely converted. And he says that he respects Paul Washer uh, on a lot of his points, and though he does not agree with everything theologically, he may be quite right um, a lot of the time. That's what this man says. Uh, so he's struggling with this because he wants to love and cherish the Lord, and he wants to be a great man of faith. And, and even though it is for selfish desires and reasons, he still wants to be as Christ-like as possible. So he's asking if he is truly saved. Now, before I move on, I want to read a response from someone. Uh, so this is someone else's response to this particular question. And uh, the, the, the person who is responding, I'll call them the responder, starts out uh, with Romans 10.9, which says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. 
And then he goes on to comment, saying, even when we are saved, many struggle with sin. He was also earlier saved this year, like the original poster, and that has definitely been a struggle for him. Uh, and although he realizes that most of the things he'd been doing all his life was blatant sin against the Lord, uh, but through Jesus Christ, he says he's been able to turn away from sin, and he says he sins way less than he used to. And he advises him to keep on praying for guidance and discretion and to do his best to avoid temptation from sin, uh, such as blocking websites that may cause him to lust. And uh, then he ends with a comment saying, don't forget, once saved, always saved. And he blesses him. Uh, so this kind of response, again, this is, um, this is from a Christian. And I would say that it is a um, fairly typical response that I have seen to these types of inquiries regarding salvation. And so I want to address the, um, the actual question, uh, which should also address the response. Um, and then, um, so we'll start by uh, breaking down uh, from the beginning, essentially, um, what is, uh, what is the what is the benefit of salvation? What is the, what do, what, what is the experience? What is the effect of salvation in our being, in, in the body? Uh, what will we consciously experience? And to, to understand what this is, um, we need to go back to before salvation when we struggle with sin. And so we need to understand that the struggle with sin is overcome by the blood of Christ. So once once the Spirit of Christ enters into us and it cleanses us uh, from our sin, it essentially removes the um, removes the wrath of God from us, uh, because the the struggle uh, that we encounter between the flesh and the spirit is the result of being sold under sin. And our flesh is sold under sin because we are condemned by God for treason. That's That would be the first part of this. Um, in Christ, though, our flesh is not sold under sin anymore. It means that the war of the flesh against the Spirit is over. Uh, why is it over? Well, it's because the debt has been paid. The debt originally was our death, right? But now that debt has been paid, and so there's um, we're not condemned anymore. We're under grace. And yes, uh, there is a thorn left in the flesh after we are saved, uh, but that thorn is left as a reminder if we get off track for the most part. Um, and so that, uh, you know, the messenger of Satan can come against us if we say, for example, get um, arrogant or um, get out of line, the Lord uh, will allow Satan in to, uh, to, to uh, deal with us. Um, so for the most part, though, in Christ, our flesh co uh, cooperates with us to accomplish the things that we have, in have our minds set on doing, um, which should be, when we're in Christ, keeping ourselves from committing unrighteousness. Since we, don't longer, since we no longer have the flesh opposing the Spirit, it's a lot easier for us to accomplish the things we set our mind on. And again, uh, not committing uh, unrighteousness should be primary. And 
And I just want to refer back to Galatians 5.24, which is somewhat related to this. It says, And they that are Christ have already crucified the flesh with the partiality of affections and lusts. And the reason I'm pointing to this is because the original responder mentioned that they are still struggling, number one, with sin. They're, they're mentioned that they... Uh, they're very self-centered in their thinking. They're rude. They're lustful and hateful. All of these things are a reflection of being obedient to uh, to the seduction of doing those things, which comes from sin in the body or Satan in the body, essentially. So uh, the other passage that I would refer to is 1 Corinthians 6.12, which says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not advantageous. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And again, this is Paul. It's 1 Corinthians 6.12. So what Paul is saying here is essentially that, um, you know, that, that all thing, in Christ all things are lawful, but not all things are advantageous. And that the things that he does engage in, none of those things uh, will, he, he won't come under the power of those things. He won't essentially fall back into uh, being addicted or being controlled by those particular behaviors. And so that again uh, goes back to the original poster who says, you know, that they're struggling with sin. Well, that struggle means that he can't quit sin on his own. So that again is pointing to me, it's pointing to the fact that he has not had the Spirit of Christ in him. Uh, it also goes back to the original responder who said that um, even when we are saved, many struggle with sin. Well, when we struggle with sin after salvation, um, it, it, it's not lining up because salvation sets us free. I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole bent, that's one of the benefits of uh, having Christ uh, the Spirit of Christ in us is that we no longer deal with that. Uh, we, aren't, we aren't opposed by sin anymore whenever we try and do the things that we, we want to do, except for when we have, um, you know, perhaps exalted ourselves or become arrogant in some way. Um, then the Lord uh, will scourge us uh, and correct us, which we take patiently because we deserve it for the, for the evil that we've committed. Um, so if you're still sinning in Christ, your defilement of the temple of God, which is your body, which is where Christ uh, is, is, you know, where the Spirit of God is, uh, that results in hellfire. And that's what I was talking about, the scourging. And so from my own experience, uh, being scourged is not, um, not pleasant. And I, I personally um, had no desire to stay um, in, an, in an unrighteous uh, condition between uh, myself and the Lord. I don't want any any um, any uh, scourging to be going on. It's, it can be painful. Um, and Jesus warned us to commit, uh, more just warned us to fear to commit unrighteousness in his presence. And there, there's a reason for that. I mean, he, he says in the book of Matthew about it's better to, it's better to, part, uh, to cut off the parts of your body that sin against you than it is to enter into eternal life and sin before God and be thrown into hellfire. That happens. That actually happens. Um, 
And then I want to, uh, my last uh, verse that I want to cite is 1 John 5.18, which kind of supports all the things that I've said here. It says, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is adopted by God keepeth himself, and the wicked one toucheth him not. So again, um, what this is all pointing to is that in Christ, we have, a, we, have, uh, we have the discipline. We received freedom from opposition, freedom from being sold under sin, freedom from condemnation, so that we can do the things that we ought to be doing without opposition from our flesh. And in fact, our flesh actually assists us. It, it's, uh, it becomes a partner with us in doing the things that the Lord wants us to do. And if we happen to stumble, uh, if, for example, someone we know, uh, you know, draws us into controversy and we, you know, we lose our focus and lose sight of the fact that the Lord is in us, uh, you know, we might commit unrighteousness in his sight and that results in our being scourged. And that's what John, uh, 5, 1 John 5.18 is talking about. Uh, he that is adopted by God keepeth himself and the wicked one touches him not. And so, um, hopefully this answers the question uh, for this gentleman who, uh, my my analysis of this is that this person is not saved, and uh, and in response to the the uh, the Christian response here, uh, which says you know he cited Romans ten nine. Um, he's saying uh, you know even when we save even when we are saved many struggle with sin, um, that may be for a very very short period of time after salvation, but you learn quickly. Um, that the scourging of the Lord is not something that we enjoy. And uh, we learn very quickly that, um, that we need to change our behavior and turn from the path that we were on. It does take time, but uh, eventually we understand. And we can not only uh, walk, but also run before the Lord and not uh, commit sin in his presence. So... That, uh, that's my response for this segment, and I hope that you were able to learn something from it. And um, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to uh, post comments on the uh, show uh, comment section, and I'll do my best to get back to you. So... Have a good night and join us again on the next episode of Everyday Spirit.